welcome again to the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsey, and we're here for an episode of Round 2 Review, where we're going to go through all the Round 2 games, all the action, have a look at all the Supercoach carnage and joy, and to do that with me once again, like last week, I've got Billy on the line. How are you going tonight, Billy? Do you have a good Round 2? Well, all right. For someone who doesn't own Cherry or RTS or anyone that actually scored over 100. (laughs) I um I was the opposite actually. I owned a few that scored over a hundred, and I went absolutely terrible. So I, th- I had none of that middle ground, mate. I just had had a few guys that were over a hundred or close to it, and um, after those five guys, I just had duds everywhere, <laughs> including my captaincy choice again. Oh, well, at least there was a little bit of luck there for you, mate. Yeah, glimmer of hope with guys like uh, Rapana and um, JT showing some form. So let's go in and talk about all these superstars now, and we'll start off with the first game of the round. The Thursday night game, St. George Illawarra Dragons 20 over the Sharks 16. And I tipped the Dragons in this one, so I was real happy with my footy tipping because it was a bit of a split one. And overall, Billy, I thought that the Dragons showed their worth again in winning games, but that second half from both teams, it was horrendous to watch in real life and it was horrendous to watch for Supercoach. Did you actually catch that first one? For sure did, mate. Oh, yeah. The highlight of my week is obviously the first the uh, first game of the week, so generally catch pretty much all that one. But, yeah, it was a bit of a seesaw. Yeah, that second half, I can't believe. The amount of penalties in um, in these early rounds is pretty bad, but the penalties and the drop balls, like it was, it was actually comical. There was like a 15, 20-minute period in that second half where the Sharks would drop the ball second tackle, then the Dragons would stuff it up and... It was just all over the place, which isn't conducive to good super coach scoring, and we can see that. But let's start off with the Dragons. So you and Aiken actually top scored for the Dragons and actually for the whole game on 71 points. We've spoken about him a little bit before. He did pretty well in the first round. He scored mid-60s or thereabouts, and now he's busted out of 71. He has scored a try in both those games, but he had a really good night for his um, owners once again and in only 4% of teams, Billy. Yeah, I was looking at him for most of the game and then thinking, oh, here we go, the real Aitken's showing up. And then he just went over again. And I remember thinking, bloody hell. <laughs> and, uh, just goes to show, mate, you just got to pick him. Yeah, and it's a bit funny too, isn't it? Because um, he's someone who has kept his value the first couple of weeks by scoring a try each week. But in the past, he's never been a guy who got his value continuously going by scoring. He's a guy that was actually the opposite where he would hardly get any tries and he would get all these points from his base. It's a bit of a weird seesaw on how he's changed completely this year, but 71 points, you'd think that the base stats and stuff are going to come up a little bit more, even if the scoring drops off. So he's he's looking pretty interesting. He had a good game. The other Dragons player that actually scored better than any other Shark was Tyson Frizzell. He's a little bit of a myth, though, for me, because he uh, he's another one who scored some tries. And when you take the tries out of both of his first games, I think he's... He's like low 40s. He hasn't actually been as good as what he's what he's looked at all. So he's probably not someone to even bother about Pilly. I don't even think anyone's that interested in Tyson. But I think everyone's starting to be a bit interested in Gareth Widdop. Have you had a look at him very much in uh, your regret list? No, not in the regret list. Uh, we talked about him pre-season, but he, uh, he just had the tough run to get through and he seems to have gotten through that. So he's a definite winner because now he's got all his home games to take advantage of. Yeah, and I mean, he's... um. He was so expensive as well. That was the other problem, 648000 almost. He just I, I didn't see him starting off so well, and all of a sudden, after the first two rounds, he's got a score of 64 this round and a score of 106 in the first round. So he just he just keeps on keeping on, Gareth. And quietly, I'm thinking, 
eight percent of teams were very smart to have him in the side for round two again. Yeah, there was that fear of Hunt taking a bit of ball off him, off him, and him regressing a little bit. But doesn't seem to be the case at all. Just seem they just seem to work pretty well together. Yeah, they do look really, really good together. And actually, um, Hunt's probably made him made his game better. I think it's made him easier to to play his game on the field. He doesn't have to organise as much, which he was pretty much doing by himself before because. Josh McCrone was barely an NRL player, let alone a you know, starting half in a team. So um, Widdop was pretty much doing it all. So, yeah, I think the pressure's come off him and he looks like he's really enjoying his football. So, yeah, he's definitely one to watch for me. If he keeps that up, I'm going to have to make some serious decisions about Widdop uh, down the track. Uh, aside from that, a couple other standouts on the Dragons, but definitely Aiken and Widdop are the, the two big winners for me. I don't think that there's any other huge winners. So they're definitely our winners from the Dragons side. But Paul Vaughan is becoming a fringe winner. He just keeps on keeping on. He's got 60 points. Not worth it for the money he's at at the moment, Billy, but he's looked pretty good, your boy Vaughan, and he's gotten the minutes as well. Yeah, he got 55. I was pretty excited about that. It's good for projections down the track, but probably a winner in that he's getting 55 minutes, but it's, we want to see him sort of drop enough enough value or, or at least get into a, um, a reasonable price range before we pick him up. So head, heading in that way, but the minutes look good. Yeah, definitely. So looking at the losers, Jack DeBellin, yeah, didn't have the worst score in the world, but being that it is Jack DeBellin, you expect a lot more than 45 points, Billy. And after some of these four duds in the first two rounds, he's one of those high-profile guys that um, is on the chopping block, I think, for a lot of teams. Yeah, 52 minutes, but you would have been thinking 60-65 for him. So, the, yeah, if the minutes aren't there, you've got, to, you've got to kill him. I just thought watching the game as well, I don't know about you, but I just I thought that he just wasn't involved very much. Yeah, he always seems like that. He's not a... Doesn't come across as a show pony who's who's got a lot of flair. He just seems to be in, in a lot of in a lot of the tackle counts, and then every now and then gets gets an offload away. But yeah, fifty two minutes, he's not really going to show. Doesn't have enough time on the park to show much. Yeah, that's one of those maddening ones with the minutes. Because I, if I was Mary McGregor, round two local derby versus Sharks, I I would have thought that he would have been playing sixty five for sure in some sort of you know Dow Ford battle with the Sharks, and normally their local games against each other are pretty close, so. I was a bit puzzled by that. It's not a good one for JDB for round two. Certainly not looking ahead either. And I'm going to talk about James Graham in the same light as well. Graham, 43 points. He's still owned by or just under 10% of teams, so barely pod territory. And he's shown again in round two, Billy, that he's just not, he's not going to have the super coach impact that he has in real life by the looks of round two again. Yeah, he was never ever going to get around that 60, 65 minute mark, which he needed. In, in fact, he's way off, but he's not even anywhere near 50 minutes at the moment. So you couldn't have him. No. And then our final loser is going to be a big, big loser for the Dragons. Tim Laffey was a revelation last year. And round two uh, performance, he's thrown out a 27 point performance, which, as bad as that is, He's actually gone up by 11 points from round one, Billy, where he scored 16. So he's currently averaging 21.5 points across the first two rounds after this 27-point stinker. And he's costing his his owners $26,763 per point at the moment. That's a lot of money to be paying for a point. Yeah, when you put it in uh, those sorts of numbers, you're talking about language. Mate, the way he's going at the moment, you wouldn't even bother getting him if he dropped half, if he dropped half his value. He doesn't. 
doesn't look involved at all. And every time Willip goes out that way, it, look, it looks to completely cut him out. So big loser, not even any interest at the moment. For you got to watch him. Know, a player of that caliber could bounce back, but he'll be a, a long watch. Yeah, the thing in this game as well. He again the um the bread and butter stats to get his average up on offloads and tackle breaks is what he's good at. Very much like a bit of a BJ Rapana type center wing. He's just not doing it. He's just not getting tackle breaks or offloads. So until he gets his game back to what he was doing last year. This round two performance, we might be talking about that every week with Tim Lafayette at the bottom of the Dragons pecking order for Supercoach. Really poor. Didn't look good on the field at all. But speaking about not looking good on the field, geez, the Sharks were pretty bad. Really, it's mate, this is going to be really hard to talk about winners because there really wasn't many. But one that does stand out, Jason Bakuya. He's only 401,000. He's snuck under the radar a little bit, starting back rower for this round two performance. He did score a try. But he threw in a 50-point score for round one, which isn't terrible for 400 grand. And he's backed it up with 67 points in round two. I actually thought Bakuya looked really quite good this round. Yeah, he did. But yeah, A, he went over for a try. And B, wasn't he starting 13 last week? Didn't he get maybe some inflated in the minutes? Inflated minutes in the middle? I think he was starting back row last week, but I could be wrong. But he's definitely started both weeks, yeah. So Yeah, so like... Yeah, 60 minutes on the edge isn't the worst, but you take the try out, it's pretty ordinary. So he's a winner for this week, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be uh, putting too much faith in him. Yep, owned by 0% of teams, according to Supercoach. Look at that. <laughs> Chad Townsend, second best player for the Sharks at 63 points. I am going to actually throw him in as a winner because I am not a believer in Chad Townsend at all, and he actually did some all right things, as bad as the Sharks looked. He looked good. Yeah, I, I thought he did too. Yeah, not not relevant SQ wise, but yeah, he was he chucked a couple of decent plays in there. I mean, he um not exactly the most confident looking kicker, but <laughs> maybe got to take a couple over, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't think their attack helped them again. This game, watching the match, it was um very much a clunky attack for the Sharks, wasn't it? With the matter of his support, he's not going to be there from nine, and his support's not going to be there from his number six either. With Moylan still having a few flashes, but not looking that great either. So. Yeah, all things considered, I, I, I agree with you. I thought Tad, Chad Townsend looked pretty good, and he's a guy that's a little under the radar. Can't fit him in because he's in the halves. If we were a little bit short on the halves, so it's 358000 after this round two performance. I'd probably have a bit of a look at him, kicking some goals and um, scoring 63 points. But, yeah, it's probably not something that you can do based on his position. There really wasn't any other winners that we can talk about positively, but there was a lot of losers, Billy. I'll probably mention that Fafita got good minutes again, which is a good sign. I mean, I thought that he looked quite good, but it only went to 56 points into Supercoach. So it didn't really materialise as good as what he was probably but... looking. Yeah, he did look dangerous. Yeah, um, no, he, he went really close to that line a couple of times. And I remember seeing him get tackled on the, um, on the fourth tackle um, a couple of times down there, thinking, I think, Christ, he's not going to get another run at that line. So, yeah, he's, if you were his own, he would have been sort of... Uh, uh, squeezing it, you'd be on the couch. <laughs> he was he went really close a couple of times. Yeah, he probably looked better in real life than what it's translating to super coach points. But the good thing is that he's getting the minutes. So I think it's probably around the corner. And that's really going to wrap it up for the winners. And Fifi wasn't even a real winner. So pretty bad game for the Sharkies. Paul Gallen is one of the biggest losers for us to talk about. And he's a pretty obvious one. He's a guy that's getting traded out quite a bit. And I have to say, I don't normally condone giving up on guns early, but he scored 40 points this game. He didn't look like the old gal at all again. His impact wasn't great. 
and he was um, not offloading or running as much as what we're used to, Billy. He really looked out of sorts again. Yeah, only played sort of under 60 minutes, though, and he's, he's getting his match fitness back too, so it wouldn't surprise me if he bounced back to a sort of a 60, 62-minute game and then, then got, got himself up to 65. That offload will come. Gal's Gal. He's not going to leave that behind for too long. 40 is about as low as you can get off him, but just depends on whether you want to hold for two or three rounds and see the scores go up. Go up or whether you cut and run now and then wait for the turnaround. Yeah, I think the big thing this game is his um his PPM wasn't good either. So I chatted to Wilfred about this on our other podcast, um, looking at the market watch stuff. But in this game, he scored forty points and he did it in fifty one minutes, which isn't very good at all. His minutes went up to the fifties and he still only scored forty. So it doesn't look great when you look at the numbers for round two and you actually watch the game for him. Other than that, Valentine Holmes is probably going to be have to be the loser of the round, I think. Last round when we did this, Billy, it was James Maloney on his two points. Uh, this round, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Valentine Holmes on six points. In fact, I'm going to anoint Valentine Holmes the, the loser of round two, Billy. Yeah, well, last week we talked about his ordinary performance in round one, so it was that ordinary. You'd, you'd, as a coach, you'd have to give him one more week at the most or just next him straight away and yeah, I think the coach saw pretty much exactly whatever else saw. There's a few, um, I guess, stories and articles and, and different rumours around the traps of Holmes sulking in the background and people were putting that together and saying that he didn't take enough hit-ups or get involved because he was sulking about being on the wing. I don't know whether that's true or not, but it did look like it watching the game. He really didn't get involved much at all. He wasn't that interested. And it's a shame because we were talking about this round one. He can be a good winger. And he's probably a much better winger than what he is fullback. But if he keeps throwing up games like this, he's, um, you know, six points was terrible for Supercoach and probably even worse for the Sharks, believe it or not. So he was owned by more than 10% of teams when they played last Thursday night, I can tell you that. But the fact that he's still in 10% of teams, I hope we're not going to be talking about him again in round three. So let's just move straight on, Billy. Let's talk about a better game. For me, anyway, the Sydney Roosters versus the Bulldogs. Roosters came up 30-12 to 12 winners, mate. Yeah, decent turnaround, wasn't it? Sure was. Why don't we just go into uh, what we both want to talk about and what everyone wants to hear. James Tedesco, he's back and he's in Roosters' colours, 113 points. Yeah, I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Because, <laughs> A, pretty much every, everyone owns him and so everyone got the same points. And the, the, other, the other thing was, if you VC'd him, that score wasn't high enough to give you any confidence knowing that a Nichols was on the bench. That was kind of a uh, do you or don't you, don't you type scenario. So, yeah, I'm glad I laid off. But anyone who captained him straight out was a dead set winner. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, even owning Teddy was, was winning territory. I, I owned him for the match and I was just happy to have him for 113 points. Really needed it this week, so I wasn't a really, really bad score and Teddy helped pull that through. I also thought watching the game that he looked a lot more like the Teddy that we wanted to see which was a big turnaround from the first week. So I think watching um, this round two matchup, you could pretty much tell that round one was just an aberration. It was just, um, you know, nerves, Tigers booing him and all that sort of stuff. This round, he looked a lot better and he was really involved. I, I really enjoyed watching him. The guy that came in second in the Roosters on points and was a big winner was Ryan Madison. He's um, The first couple of weeks, he's gotten some inflated numbers. This game, Mitchell Orbison, had his head split open and had like, I think it was 10 external stitches and half a dozen internal, all this stitches everywhere. He had blood gushing out. 
Madison ended up playing 80 minutes last week, which was fantastic, and it was a great round two performance, Billy. I thought he looked great. Yeah, sure did. It's one of those things you got to pray he keeps doing it, but yeah, absolute winner out of that, especially if you earned him. Yeah, and he's um, he's not owned by many either, but I think that he's won himself a starting back row spot as well. So that round two performance has really put him on the map for super coaches, but also in real life. Other winners, I'm going to have to talk about Blake Ferguson again because we spoke about him in round one and round two watching this game. His involvement was just startling how often he was taking hit-ups and he just kept being everywhere and just being so active and so enthusiastic in getting through all the work. Um, it was really good to see. Yeah, it was in there, wasn't it? He must have been so excited about this, just <laughs> seeing the chooks run rig up there. <laughs> I loved it, especially against our old foes, the dogs. It's always nice. But Fergo's one I'm going to have to consider. 57 points and 91 when he scored a try in that first match. He's um he's looking like he has a really good floor, which we saw here with that 57. Yeah, he was his hit ups have been up sort of lately, but um that um that score obviously included a try as well. So it's not really what you would want to see for a guy on the up with um, extra base in the, in those hit-ups. I would have expected even to be more up around a sort of 65-70 mark with, with the try. So I forgot all about his try, so that brought me straight back down to earth, don't worry. I forgot about his try against the Bulldogs. Yeah, it's a bit scary. His base was still 36, though, which for a winger is quite decent. Yeah, you take the – was it a line break try or just a try? I can't remember. It was just a try. Try, yeah. So 30 points in hit-ups is good. That's what you've got to expect from, um, from a winger. I'd like a guy scoring a try on the wing to be a little bit better than that, but you're not, you're not going to get too much better than that. Wingers are only going to punch the 30, 35 points in face anyway. So look, the fact that he's gone over a couple of times, he's on the right side where, where Kronk is going and, and Teddy tends, tends to swing as well. He's not the worst bloke in the world, but it's definitely win winner the last couple of weeks. Yep, and there was uh, some other decent performances, but I, I wouldn't say that there are winners or losers and also some mediocre ones that weren't terrible, like Latrell Mitchell at 43 points and Takiaho at 47 points. But there was some, despite the Roosters' dominance, and they were really dominant watching the game, there was a couple of real stinkers. And heading that list is Boyd Cordner, was a real loser from round two, 34 points. In a game like this, where ordinarily in the past, he scored quite well against the Bulldogs, and these are the type of matchups that... He normally goes well in. He had a really unhappy day, Billy. When you're watching the game, he had some penalties. He had some errors. He just didn't seem like he was on his game. Don't him yet or what? Don't own him, mate. I um I had him briefly during our pods in the, the preseason, and I opted not to have him. So my starting... So you did listen to Uncle Chop Chop then. Good boy. I did. And um, it was probably more that I had more confidence in um, guys like Nathan Brown and Trent Merrin, so I just couldn't fit him. But that worked out a godsend because his 34 points is atrocious for a guy that you've put 560k into in the second row. Yeah, it would be just a waste of money. Yep, agreed. He's um, And he doesn't look like he's going to get any better anytime soon, so you're in a real conundrum if you've got him watching that Bulldogs game because it was a game that he should have gone well in. Especially with a guy like Madison who can, who can who can play 80 minutes on the other side as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of fighting for good minutes on those edges. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Roosters forward pack, I think we're going to end up every round, we're going to be talking about some losers from that pack just because of the minutes and how they're going to have to look at their rotations. The real loser out of this, though, is a guy that I do own, unfortunately, Daniel Tupo. He tore his peck very early in the game, only had 11 points to show for it, barely played, though even 
half of the first half before he went off. That's pretty devastating. That 11 points really, really sunk my team for the round, Billy. Yeah, I don't think too many people saw that coming, but yeah, at least someone went worse than Mill for round one. <laughs> well, I mean, thankfully, Tupo isn't owned by too many. Um, there wasn't any, really anything relevant that came from that, aside from Madison probably getting 80 minutes that he wasn't going to. Um, so Tupo and Orbison going down probably made the rotations a little bit harder again to sort of gauge from those couple of injuries and how they were managed. But, yeah, if you own Tupo, com- commiserations, I um, was not happy. So moving on from the Bulldogs game, we're going up to your neck of the woods into a Queensland derby with the Broncos beating the Cowboys. So the Bulldogs actually had some good performance too. Um, Josh Jackson had a real standout performance. He looked great. And he's a guy that hasn't quite been super coach relevant in the past, despite a few spikes here and there of, of good performances. He had a 91 in round two, uh, scored a try, but that's still a really good score for him. And surprisingly, he's in 5% of teams, which is more than I thought for round two. Yeah, he's still not really a super coach relevant type of bloke, but he ha- has been showing the form that he, um, or the reason why he's picked in the, um, in, in the blue squad. He's been, been ripping in, so. Yeah, interesting to see how he carries his weight over the next few weeks, but um, the Bulldogs are certainly um, giving as much as they can. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting one. I mean, he'll probably play Origin, which which doesn't help with Josh Jackson as well. The Bulldogs had a heap of solid performance that were in the 50s, um, like Amoris, Hoblardi, um, Mbai, Clemmer, all those guys scored 50s, which is solid, but not great. Um, but the guy that actually scored below 50s, I actually think he's a bigger winner than them, and that was Fatala Mariner. And 46 points is by no means great, but um, the fact that he got 80 minutes on the edge again and he looked good, I thought, without getting a lot of opportunity, I thought Fatala Mariner was a winner for me in um, in round two. Yeah, he looked dangerous um, when they go looking for him. Correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty sure it was him. Didn't he overrun a ball where um, Foran kind of held it up a little bit and then was about to put him through a gap again? Yeah. He did. I was watching that with a lot of interest. Yeah, so it could have been another a 76 score again. Yeah, and he also made an error and turned the ball over when he was trying to offload as well. So it went from an offload to an error, which is a turnaround as well. So Gun at that price, I think. Well, potential at that price. I wouldn't say gun, but yeah, there's plenty of potential there with the 80 minutes. Yeah, no, I really liked watching him in round two. Um, I thought he did well for himself. But some guys that didn't do too great, um, I mean, it's... Hard to talk about guys like Elliot and Brett Morris as losers because not many people own them and they shouldn't be owned. But I guess for me, when I was watching this game, Adam Elliott scored 29 points, which was kind of expected when he's a bench forward. But I was just thinking to myself how six months ago he was an up-and-coming back rower that the Bulldogs really rated and he played in that city-country match and went really, really well. Um, And I had him in my team for a while last year and he made me quite a bit of cash. And now he's this guy in round two that um just uh, is coming off the bench for twenty nine points. It's pretty bad. Yeah, not not the nice like you want to have in your team. That um that thirteen jersey is pretty much a mystery for the dogs. Who knows who's going to be in it each week? And if if they are, you got no idea what kind of minutes they're going to play. Uh, case in point, Tolman this week, which I'm sure you'll talk about on the other pod. But yeah, there's too many unknowns for that thirteen jersey in the rotations. Yeah, and Brett Morris is someone we both spoke about and told people to stay away from in the preseason, and he scored pretty well round one, and then throughout a quintessential Brett Morris line of twenty five super coach points in round two. So that's exactly why he's a bum, guys. You've got to stick away from Brett Morris, even if he throws in a, a solid round. 25 points in round two. His lack of involvement that you saw 
and no attacking opportunities, that's going to be a pretty constant, I think. Yeah, agree, mate. Yeah, and look, there wasn't, to be honest, the Dogs were probably one of the teams that were more solid across the park. They didn't have a lot of high performers or real bad performers, so we might move on to the next game, which was a lot more exciting because it was far closer. The Brisbane Broncos, 24 points, defeat the North Queensland Cowboys on 20, and that goalpost stopped the Cowboys from going over and another JT assist happening. What a uh, remarkable end to the game, Billy. Yeah, I was pretty pumped about that. I already had the shits that JT thinks <laughs> scoring over 100. <laughs> he went from zero to 100 within about 10 minutes. It was driving me insane. Yeah, so I was rather happy with the goalpost there. <laughs> well, let's talk about JT first. So I actually enjoyed the game. I thought that they ripped in a bit and had a little bit of everything, which was good. JT top scored for the Cowboys. He had 110 points and he basically did what he did round one when we were talking, but most things came off and he didn't look like he was behind the pace this game. I thought that he looked like he was kind of back on the pace and he was scoring those points easily without doing too much, Billy. Yeah, I thought we were right on the money with a sort of 50-point average and then, yeah, he just bang, bang. He scores 35 points, 20 points in the space of 30-second kind of burst, puts him over the over the black dot and there you go. So, yeah, winner, winner, chicken dinner. JT's back again. Hooray. He is. Round two signaled that he's definitely back and he did it pretty well. His base was actually almost the same. He still hardly had any base. Most of it was all the attacking stats that he had. He had the, you know, the couple of try assists and also a couple of line break assists and also the goal kicking was far better this round. And I think that goal kicking is what really helped him, I think. Yeah, putting more than one one over the black dot kind of helps. Yeah, I mean, he had, uh, what was it, two from five in, in the first round. Yes, yeah, something ordinary. Yeah, so he had a bit of opportunity there to throw something on. So, yeah, JT looked fantastic to me, and he's way above yeah, the other guys. Shoulder seems to be holding out too. Yeah, he's one of the biggest winners of the round. I think that he looked like he was back in form, and he's just eating up those attacking stats this game with the try assist, the line break assist and everything. And he ran the ball a couple of times too, where he looked quite dangerous, which was nice. So other than that, there wasn't really any other standouts. It really was a bit of a one-man show for super coach purposes for the Cowboys. One you do have to mention is Gramble's minutes, 80 minutes. That's pretty interesting. It is. Very good point. 68 points in that 80 minutes as well. So yeah, I thought he looked quite active. So he's a good one to bring up. Can you see him as becoming relevant again, looking at round two's performance? Yeah, I mean, there was only, um, like, there was a try in there. I mean, a lot, a lot of hookers do that to get sort of a 75, 80 points, but there was um, 42 points in tackles, and like, there was only the one hit up, so he's more of a tackle bot, and then a bit of a bit of a quick dart from dummy half. So if he plays 80 minutes, there's a good um, sort of, you know, 50 points in base there for you. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I've had him before, and I did notice him, but and thought he played well, but I haven't looked at him because I got really burnt a couple of years ago when I bought him when he was looking pretty good. And then I think he got a, a head knock or something and scored one point. And then he had concussion symptoms for a couple of weeks and he, he really burned me about two years ago. Yeah, they've got that really good run coming up though. So if you wanted to watch him this week, let him get through the, the Storm game. Next week, the week after, for those those home games could be really really interesting. If you uh, didn't buy Smith and you've got that Havili bloke and you wanted to wanted to cut the reins in a couple of rounds, so yeah, winner winner on those. Yeah, and he's definitely a winner. That's a good one to bring up. I didn't really think about him because I think most people go over Granville and, and don't give him much thought. But yeah, he could get interesting if he keeps doing that. Let's talk about some losers. Jason Tomalolo. 
we had him on the winners list in round one because he threw out a B-side performance. And this round, he's thrown out 48 points. And we were worried about it last week, Billy. We were saying, you know, he, he was a full 10 minutes below his average last year. It was a pretty good effort for him to um, to throw out what he did in round one. And round two, you know, I didn't think that he looked terrible or anything, but he certainly didn't look – he didn't look like he got through as many runs, I think, is what stood out to me. And when I looked at the numbers, you know, he had – he had 26 points combined in his hit-ups, which isn't fantastic, and 19 tackles. And then other than that, he's got the six in tackle breaks. So, I mean, he didn't have much variety again, which is a concern. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that, dude. The reason is Broncos came out with a bang. They had some really good momentum early. So that first 20, 25 minutes when he was on the field, he didn't have much involvement with the hit-ups. Hit so that, that's why there wasn't that many um, tackle busts and runs there. Then he was off the field for you know, his, his middle run of the game. So by the time he came back on, um, the Cowboys were just starting to get their momentum and he was probably sitting on sort of uh, 20 points going into the back third of the game. So I wouldn't read into that too much. He'll, he'll, he'll bounce back, but for the purpose of this pod, mate, um, yeah, lose it this week. Yeah, fair enough. I'm I'm a bit concerned about Tomalolo, so I'm a little bit sheepish on him myself. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess... All the other losers were pretty much expected from the cows. Most of them pretty much played to what you expected them to. Um, probably the only other one that I'll highlight just because he's how far down the pecking order he's gone. Ethan Lowe was the other guy that really stood out. As uh, When I was watching the game, I just sort of thought to myself, you know, Ethan Lowe's never been a superstar or anything. But I was watching it just go, man, like Ethan Lowe in games last year and the year before, you'd watch him and he'd get through a lot of work. And even when he wasn't making meters, he was taking a lot of runs. He was making a lot of tackles. And 37 points in round two is pretty much where Ethan Lowe's at at the moment. And it looks like he's been benched as well now. So just an absolute dud of a performance for a forward with 13 points in runs and nine points in tackles and nothing else. That was that was almost it. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, let's just hope he keeps doing those 20-minute cameos and loses price for um, yeah, the origin round. Although, if you went that route, you'd have to a hope he, hope he kicks goals, has a decent score, and then not worry about his AE nightmare when um, Huss comes back. That's right, but I was thinking about it while I was watching the game. I actually brought Ethan Lowe's stats up because he he looked not very good to me. And I was really surprised that he was owned by 3 or 4% of teams for 465000 That was one of the reasons why I remembered to have a look at him now in that losers list because I can't believe that anybody owned him. And um, his numbers look atrocious. So yeah, he's lost that lost that big minute edge and the goals. So not that he ever had them for too long, but yeah, um, move on. Yeah, let's move on. Um, I I really enjoyed that game though. All right, so the next game, moving on to our Saturday games. The first one, a Super Saturday, was the New Zealand Warriors twenty over the Gold Coast Titans eight points. This one, we had Ash Taylor out of the game, which really made it a good one for the Warriors to get a second win on the board. And um, I didn't actually get to catch much of this one, only bits and pieces because I was out at the time. Did you manage to watch this one? Sure did. Made sure I had a crack at this one. I only saw bits and pieces. Um, I did see um, Cardi not putting absolutely anything into the game. It was nice to see Latu stink it up again. And surprise, surprise, that Philip Sammy, he, he seems to really get involved. Um, look, he's got a decent hit up, half-decent hit-up rate and some good TVs in there, so... Make some interesting discussions for this week, especially a Conum Jim around Jai Arrow and will he sort of keep his place? So he's a decent winner in there with, a, with some um, decent score at the top. Yeah, for sure. Why don't we start off with the Titans then? So Jai Arrow 
and Phil, well, Philip Sammy as well that you mentioned. I thought that he was a definite winner. He ended up with 51 points. Um, and I mean, out of that, he had 10 points in a line break. But the fact that he had 24 points in hit-ups was reasonable. The biggest thing, though, was that he had an effective offload in tackle breaks. And that's the thing that I like most about him. I was a little bit sheepish round one on whether I was going to like have a look at him or not. Round two, um, some of the highlights I saw, he had some pretty strong runs. So he ended up with 10 points in tackle breaks and that one offload. So 14 points between his TBs and offload. That's pretty good along with his runs for a winger. Yeah, it's a decent effort, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I think he was a definite winner for me. And there wasn't too many really on the Gold Coast side, so he was definitely up there. And yeah, certainly... Jai Arrow did well with his 57 points. And the pleasing thing with Arrow as well is that um, I thought that he might be limited a little bit to a bit of a, I guess, meat and potatoes, workhorse type of guy, and maybe like the 40 tackle type of mould and not many hit-ups and things like that. But he actually was he was solid with his tackles at 31, but it was actually his, his runs. He ended up with 39 points just from his runs and managed to throw in eight points in offloads and another two points in an ineffective offload, which is a bit of variance in his game that I didn't think was going to be there. Yeah, it was from um, 64 minutes to not 80. So a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not sure what he'll get, what he'll get going forward with Cardi going sort of back to 13 and Wallace's impending return. But the signs of life, especially around those um, those three offloads, I thought he would be a bit more meat and potatoes looking at his numbers for last year. But Seems like that preseason right up from last year is sort of coming to fruition, and he's starting to um, get that that um, way a little bit. Yeah, it does, and I'm I'm a little bit annoyed that I didn't keep him in my team because I was worried about Latu and Wallace. And speaking of which, let's move on to the losers. And geez, Latu looked like a bum again. But I mean, he only got 23 minutes. But for a guy that um you thought was going to be quite a decent impact forward, he um, he didn't seem to have much impact. Yeah, no, not really doing much. There was the comment last week that he sort of might have had something wrong with his finger, but yeah, 22 or 36, he's not really, I didn't think it could get much worse than Nichols, but they're pretty much in the same boat at the moment. Yeah, he had something wrong with his finger, all right. He didn't pull it out. 22 points. <laughs> Terrible. Pull your finger out, Latu. Being sold by everybody. Bryce Cartwright's another guy who was disappointing and like Latu was quite popular. He um, had 36 points for round two. And it was a game where um, I was quite confident in putting him in my side for this game because, one, it was against the Warriors, and, two, he was put in the halves because Ash Taylor was out. And I thought he was going to hit some some nice attacking stats, and we might have even seen a vintage Cardi Party performance, even if they ended up losing, but we didn't at all. I did. It didn't even look like he was running hard or, or looking for anything. He got the ball close to the line. He just sort of wandered, wandered sideways, did a couple of crab shuffles, found nothing, and then just flicked it out to anyone who was nearing. There was no structure. There was no there was no venom in his attack. It was just looks like he was just going through the motions, and there was no one, no one there around him doing anything. So he just, yeah, I don't know. It was pretty ordinary to watch. I remember commenting in round one. Some people were bringing up, oh, I'm going to sell Bryce Cartwright. And I was commenting on a few posts saying, you're crazy. And after this game, <laughs> I... Uh, Saw a few people mention it, and I was like, I'm not even going to comment because I don't even know anymore. I was that sure at 260 grand, and then watching the bits and pieces of this game I saw, I didn't see him do anything. And then I looked at his numbers, and like he got six points from a forced dropout. That's not going to happen very often. And then you look at the stuff that you're expecting him to have, line breaks, line break assists, a try assists, all those halves numbers. He had none. And he had one offload, which for Cardi, you know, you expect him to, to have – 
two, three, even four offloads, and he's just not doing it anymore. He's, um, he's a big loser, and I'm pretty worried about playing him anymore, to be honest. Yeah, if I was going to live last week, I was going to try and find a way to, to leave him out, but I couldn't, so I decided to sort of leave, leave him in there, but didn't really instill any confidence, which is a far cry from you know, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, they're the definite biggest losers for the Titans. I will just um, give a cameo mention to um, Ryan James, who threw in 50 points, and he's looking decidedly mediocre yet again, which is not very good for his owners. But the Warriors are a far better story, Billy, and this is going to be a lot more fun to talk about. This was a bit of a vintage Warriors performance where they had had their real big guns step up, which is nice to see. Head of the winners list has to be the ex-rooster himself who broke my heart years ago and then I felt a bit better about it because he's looked not very good. Roger Tulvazashek, 130 points, Billy. I was saying in our first round review that um, if he could keep up these try assists and line break assists that he was getting because he had two of each in round one and he was doing them all through the end of last year, he might replace his lost work rate with it. He's thrown up 130 points that included... A try, a try assist, also three effective offloads plus an ineffective offload, three line breaks, a line break assist. He's basically hit every attacking category and he's just gone ballistic. Yeah, I'm more impressed with his tackle bust. Like He seems to have more confidence with running now, not just in straight lines, but they're stopping and starting and putting more pressure on it to get around the D. So it's really good to see. It's just a shame there's so many limited opportunities at fullback at the moment. So if you're clever enough to start with him, or even now if you wanted to get a point in, if you can somehow figure out to do it, he's definitely a winner. Yeah, and i tell you what, after seeing his round two performance, wouldn't it have just been the gold pod combo of um, Ponga and Roger Tuovar-Zashek as your starting fullbacks? Yeah, he would have thunk her. <laughs> Aside from that, Sean Johnson, 82 points. He wasn't looking that good when I was looking at the live scoring and stuff on my phone. He was sort of, you know, 62 points and stuff. He had some nice updates as well. But Sean Johnson keeps rolling on. 12 points for his try assist that he got. Um, He he only actually got eight points in goals, which is quite good because um, it was really across the board stats that he ended up getting. Had a line break as well, but... Like you mentioned with Roger Tuovar-Zashek, I always like to look at those tackle break and offload numbers because they're pretty sustainable as well to keep doing it. 16 points in tackle breaks and also 8 points in offload, so 24 points between those. And he had numbers everywhere. Absolutely garnish performance and a great start to the year for Sean Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. He looked pretty dangerous again, although it was in sort of pockets. I remember watching the game thinking, here we go, Jono's out the back again. But then all of a sudden, you, you look closer at the TV and it's Shaggy out left with the ball. And you think, ah, oh, bugger. So I think um, it was basically right side that he was pretty much um, dominating. Going out there, caught short a couple of times. He, he took the line on a couple of times himself. He had a kick go. I think he had a kick go dead. Then he had a, a forced dropout. But yeah, it was um, he was pretty much running right right side and, and, and Shecky was doing all the left. Yeah, and I mean, out of those 82 points, Sean Johnson only had 30 points in tackles and, and runs. So he had a lot of attacking stats in there. Really, really promising performance in round two for Sean Johnson. Aside from that, one other guy that we will quickly mention, Tohu Harris, has kept on keeping on. And he did that with some decent work rate, 35 points in tackles and another 22 points in his hit-ups. But he's, he's looked pretty solid, uh, Tohu Harris, probably better than what I thought he would. And when I was actually tuning in, I did see him make a few good runs and 
Yeah, he's he's looking like he was a good buy at 517k. Yeah, absolutely. Got halfway through that game and I was thinking, yeah, probably good that it laid off from Harris. But then the numbers sort of started creeping up and up and up. I think he was all around sort of 35 at half time and then sort of slowed down a little bit. But then he, um, he picked it up again and got a few updates to get into sort of that sort of, that sort of score that he was on. And to be on 71 without a try, it's a, not, a, not a bad effort. Yeah, he got a, um, a line break assist and he had two of those in round one, I'm pretty sure. So when we were talking about him round one, I, I just looked at it and went, oh, yeah, that's that's not going to happen too often. But then he's hit another line break assist in, um, in round two. So, I mean, if he continues throwing in, you know, those sneaky line break assists or a line break here and there instead of, you know, he's he's looking great value and he looked pretty good when I was watching him on the field. Yeah, it was only the one line break assist. It wasn't a try assist. But he, he did have a, um, a forced dropout as well. So he, look, even if you take out that um, eight points for that and the the dropout for him points. He's still a um, high 50s without actually doing much. Yeah, for sure. Big winner. And our final big winner is Peter Hiku, another guy in the 80s club, 85 points. And he is a guy, Billy, who I had all through the preseason and I couldn't fit him in at his 270K, 280K, sorry. And um, now I'm looking at trading him in this round because 85 points in round two, which did not include a try, so he had 12 points on his try assist. And then other than that, his offloads, he actually had four with one of them being ineffective, uh, a line break assist to go with his try assist. And he just looks like he's starting to hit all these great attacking stats with another 12 points for his tackle break. So he had, um, he had a lot more attack in this one, Peter Hiku, than what I thought he was going to have. Yeah, mate, I think I've been kissed on, you know what? <laughs> I couldn't afford any high price talent. So I um I started with um Hiku and Tenar and Isako and those sort those sorts of bombs in the center three quarter. So got a little bit lucky there, but watching the games, him and him and Kenar have been really involved. They actually look bloody good on the field. They're not just they haven't just had um a good run of opposition, they've really been ripping in. But both of them they they, they look good when they're in their support play when they're running and um, they really look like they're they're out there trying to get those um, SCS stats when when they're playing, doing doing fins and chucking the ball around. So, from an SC point of view, it's good to see, mate. Yeah, and they play Canberra as well, which is a good matchup for Hiku. So, round two was good. I got a feeling we'll be talking about him again in round three. So, um, yeah, the big numbers for me that really really impressed me is that he had twenty six points between his offloads and tackle breaks, which. It's that, that tackle break offload combination of points is one of my favourites to look at. If I can hit those, I'm pretty confident the guy's going to do well. And um, yeah, he can nail that in round two. So some other solid performances, Billy, like your, your Liggy Sow and, and those guys, but um, no massive winners other than the big four that we spoke about. Let's talk a little bit about the losers, which to be honest, it's pretty hard to talk about really for the Warriors. They had a pretty good game. Probably the only one worth mentioning is that uh, young Isaiah Papali is now injured. And for anyone who started him, I mean, I don't think I don't think many would have ended up starting him, even though he was a starting back rower, but ended up only throwing in four points due to injuries. So anyone who started him would have had nightmares of um, Katoa in round one, wouldn't they, <laughs> where they got the six points and then the broken jaw. Bit unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate for him. Probably interesting to see what what happens with the rotation going forward and what, um, where the minutes are. But yeah, he's a definite loser to pull point. Yep, and so are all these super coach owners that either have him and now have to sell him or are 
in that unfortunate boat of starting him this round. So let's move on to the next match. And this is our second one of the Super Saturday. And it is the Panthers and South Sydney Rabbitohs. And this one was a tale of two halves. We had, um, yeah, this, the Souths, I think, were up 14-0 or 14-4. And then the Panthers just steamrolled them for a, a big second half. And there was a lot of disappointing guys in this game. And um, I, it was a decent game, but it wasn't one where there was going to be a lot of attack, unfortunately. Why don't we start off with the South Sydney Rabbitohs? One of the winners that we spoke about round one, Billy, was Cody Walker. But you brought up the good caveat with it that, you know, yeah, 82 points is nice for round one. But in saying that, he scored a couple of tries with that. So whether that continues or not, we don't really know. Had another good score again. Scored a try again, though. I think Cody Walker's in the conversation with some of these other guys that you sort of are thinking quietly, geez, I kind of wish that I started with him now. No, not at all. Still happy that I didn't. 59 points with the LB try. No, thanks. I just thought that he looked really good. And, you know, it's probably one of those things too, though, where last year he looked really bad when he was playing fullback and he gets to play in the halves now. Yeah, I don't know. This might be one of the good ones where you get to disagree a little bit. Because <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I kind of like Cody Walker this year and I was just liked how he was backing up. He backed up to score that try. His base stats and things are ne- never going to be there, but he's just a bit of an attack magnet when he's in the halves. Um, and I was wondering with, I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, Juhai, Juhai, whatever his name is. His name's Adam, mate. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> Call him Adam D. I did have a look at the pronunciation before the pod, but um, Adam D will do. He, um, with him in at, ha- in at halfback, I actually thought that Cody Walker might start to step up a little bit. So, yeah, I don't know. I liked Cody, but we can disagree on that one a little bit. One of them that I guess was a bit of a big winner for round one, for round two, sorry, that we were really disappointed about for round one was Cam Murray. So he obviously went into the starting side for this round two matchup, and I thought he looked pretty good, and he basically did the Cam Murray things that people were wanting him for for round one until he got benched. So in this one, he was pretty active. He had 39 tackles, and he had 20 points in runs with a couple of effective offloads, which was nice for his 63 points. And I, when I was watching the game, Billy, I, I sort of saw him everywhere. He seemed to be in a bit of everything, which is pretty good. Yeah, he's in that kind of same basket as uh, Arrow, isn't he? Um, how many minutes is he going to get? But yeah, he's, it's good to see that he's got sort of 54 minutes and punching those sorts of numbers. Definite winner. Anyway, he's up for him. He'll probably, probably another safe week to watch, but um, yeah, definitely on the right path. Yep. And another one that was definitely a winner, and was really good to watch him round two was uh, 81 points from Damian Cook. Geez, it's exciting to watch him, isn't it? I, I enjoy seeing those super coach points rack up. Yeah, he's an absolute machine, isn't he? The, um, the try obviously sort of helps, but yeah, 44 points in tackles and the guy the guy's making some runs, a lot of uh, two-point runs as well. So exactly what you want to see in the guys playing 80 off that performance. Yeah, surely, um, surely there's not going to be any Robbie Farah around anywhere. No, there can't be, can there? And I mean, 81 points, including the try, but so 27 points was in that line break and the, and the try. But even taking that 27 points off, he's he still scored pretty decent. And if you got those sort of mid-50s type floors, which Cook has because of his tackles, like you mentioned, 44 points in tackles, it's, um, it's pretty nice. And he runs a lot more than other hookers. So, yeah, big winner for sure. Your friend that you mentioned a little bit earlier, Richie Kennard came in with 58 points, which, you know, sounds okay. But after such a great round one, it was always a bit of a worry this game when I was watching that he's he's not going to get a double every week, and that's what he had round one, and he didn't score a try this game. 
But like you mentioned, he was really active, you know, 24 points in runs, but even more so um, he had a couple of offloads, which I really liked seeing. Um, and still a, a tackle break thrown in there, but really it was just he looked enthusiastic and he looked like he wanted to get involved. So he ended up with that try assist and also a line break, but they were both separate plays. Um, I'm pretty sure if I remember right. I think you might be right. I, I watched um, the replay of that thing and it was pretty much all over the place. It was, a, I think it was a kick return and an offload and an LB and then offload somewhere a pass and then yeah, I think Walker came through and finished off the other end. So, yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. But, yeah, de- he's definitely all over the place and pretty pretty active. Yeah, I'm pretty glad that I started with him. He looked really good round two. And other than that, that was probably the main winners from the South Sydney side. They definitely had some losers, though. And probably heading that list is the Barnstormers captain for round two. I thought I'd go safe this, this past week, Billy, after the Teddy debacle in round one. I went, you know what? Sergis threw out a mid-60s score in round one. He's going to play about 70 minutes. That's still good enough. He's got a good average against the Penrith Panthers in the past. Averaged about 85 to 88 points or something the last three games. Put the big C on Sammy Burgess. He did not reward me at all. <laughs> he destroyed me, Billy. Didn't realise you'd chuck a C on him. What was his rotation like? Did he... Um... Um, was all 67 minutes in the forward, or did he, did he um, move to edge for a little bit for rest on the left-hand side? Or I don't think he moved to the edge. I think he stayed in the middle. So he went off for quite some time in the second half. It was a bit weird because watching the game, Souths were really getting pummeled in the second half. Penrith were really coming over the top. And I was looking around for him, and he wasn't there. And it was getting into that last 20 minutes, and I was like, wow, like they need to get Sam Burgess back on the field. And I don't think that he came on. It was less than 15 minutes to go when he actually came back on the field. So it was a little bit puzzling that I think that he might have even come on for like the last 13 minutes or something like that. Like, oh, still 67 minutes. I'm really happy with that. I didn't think he would be that high for a while. I thought he would be getting 60, 65 at the most. But um, being a forward, putting in the, um, the 8 or 10 jersey, but yeah, happy with that. I'll, I'll be keeping him, mate. I'll still keep him, but 45 points, jeez. Yeah, you wouldn't be happy. Not happy round two. He's a big loser. And the other frustrating thing watching the game, he um, just a lot of dumb stuff. He had penalties and errors. Like He had minus six for his penalties and minus two for his error. So he copped to minus eight points plus a few missed tackles. So his negative points were negative 11. I actually thought it should have been more. I think that he ended up getting a penalty thrown on somebody else that was actually his. And his offloads weren't there. I don't know if it was because he was a bit tired or whatever, but the Sam Burgess um, work rate that we saw, like he only had 27 tackles, which for getting towards 70 minutes, you know, you expect a bit more. And I expected a lot more than two offloads, which were six points in that type of game. So, yeah, he was really disappointing. But, you know, if he was really disappointing, so was your mate Angus, 46 points. And really didn't look like he was going to do anything to break the game open or get any great attacking stats. 31 points in tackles for Angus and only 19 points in his runs. Other than that, he had an um, ineffective offload and one tackle break. It was a very un-Angus-like performance on the weekend, Billy. Yeah, I know. I wasn't very happy with that. But, um, yeah, well, for, look, 46 points for an edgy not doing anything. It's not the, not the worst in the ball, but... You'd want more from, from an edge runner, especially at his, at his price. Yeah, I know we spoke about this before, but like looking at a game like this is probably a good example in round two, scoring 46 points. Are you a bit worried that 
he might drop off a little bit at Souths with their form and also him moving on? Do you think that might be any part of this? No, no, I think it's just one of those games where he just didn't have any line breaks in every tackle bus. Um, didn't seem to be as involved as what he, what he normally does. Not sure why that is. What was the... Can you just remind me what the score in the game was? Was it a high-scoring game? No, it was um, 18-14. Yeah, okay. So well, there wasn't too many sort of breaks to sort of put his time on the field down a little bit. So, yeah, look, a little bit concerning. I'm not I'm not going to be selling him because he's a sort of game-breaker and he, he could quite easily have one, a couple of those sort of larger scores to even out a little bit. But, yeah, lose it this week for sure, especially 46. And we spoke about Greg Inglis last week. Once again, he um, was non-existent. He was pretty bad to watch, actually. There was just a couple of times where he was sort of lumbering the ball and going to ground. He didn't look very destructive. I think you mentioned... Yeah, uh, you, game too. yeah you called him the the Morse code of the round last game, last round because he had all the all the zeros and a few ones scattered around. That's pretty much what his super coach stats look like for round two as well. So heaps of zeros, Billy. More zeros this time, mate. Yeah, he's got zeros everywhere, doesn't he? Like he really, looking at his numbers, he really did nothing. He had 11 points in runs. Six points in tackles with one tackle break. He's degraded from Morse code to binary code now. <laughs> All right. Greg Inglis, now known as binary. Other than that, probably the only other guy I'll, uh, I'll highlight just really briefly, we won't go into it, but Nichols got demoted to the bench and as we all expected, he did not score well. He only had uh, 14 points in limited minutes. I ended up selling him when he got thrown on the bench because he only... Uh, scored, I think, 25 or something, 27 points in the first round. He's looking like a real loser this round again with less minutes and bench time too. So everyone's probably going to need to move on from Nichols, if not this week, then pretty shortly. The last game of the round was a big upset once again, Billy. And once again, it was at the hands of the West Tigers. Same score as what they had beating the Roosters 10-8 in round one. They have ruined Billy Slater's party and gone 10-8 over the storm at Amy Park. Did you have any inkling that this upset was on the cards? Of course, mate. <laughs> no, not happy at all. Because uh, the only reason I bought Munster and Smith and those sorts of guys is because of their easy run. So <laughs> Tigers are trying to make it a bit hard for everyone at the moment. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Tigers get absolutely pumped this week and things start to crumble. But until that happens, you've got to respect them, mate. They um put in a monstrous defensive effort, haven't they? Yeah, they really have. Um, I actually agree with you. I was talking to um, a few guys about this today and, and yesterday, and I said, you know, I can really see the, the Broncos bringing the um, Tigers back down to earth this week because I, I just can't see them keeping it up. Watching the game in round two, it was similar to round one where the Tigers had so, so much defensive intensity and they were great scramble. They were really committed in, in defense. Mentally, they looked very strong and committed. That's one of those things where I don't think it lasts at NRL level for too long. If you don't have some of the attack and scoring to go with it, you know, mate, you can't go every week winning 10-8 in the last minute and, you know, have 6-4 score lines and stuff and two all at halftime like in the Roosters game. I don't think it's very sustainable. So I kind of agree with you there, but I'm not the biggest Melbourne Storm fan, so it wasn't too bad to see. Billy's party ruined and I have to admit I did jump up off the lounge when Luke Brooks went over because it was just as boring as some of that game was it was really exciting at the end yeah it's good to see an underdog win mate especially against a team like that it's just dominated for so long yep so let's have a talk about some of the winners and losers and because this was a bit of a Dow one kind of like round one I didn't think there was very many so uh, with the storm I mean I'm I'm just going to throw in a couple of 
honourable mentions, I think, because I don't think anyone did that great. So no real winners, I don't think. But honourable mention, Nelson, Asafa, Solomono, a few people started with him round one, and I didn't think it was going to be a great idea. And he's actually quietly averaged 56 points now across both rounds and 54-point game in round two against the Tigers. 14 points of that was in tackle breaks. 12 points of that was effective offloads. So 26 points between tackle breaks and offloads, that's a pretty decent performance for Naz. Yeah, sure is. Concern with him is always his minutes, but when he's chucking up those sorts of numbers, he's kind of um, making a bit of a case for himself, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, look, he did it with 17 points in runs, which isn't much at all. And so the fact that he could even accumulate you know, 14 points in tackle breaks and 12 points in offloads, only running it limited, it's quite nice. But honourable mention only because really, you know, there wasn't anyone great this game for the Storm. So I'm not prepared to make anyone a winner, but I am prepared to make a lot of them losers, Billy. And I'm going to start off with Cameron Smith, who a lot of people captained this round. I'm pretty sure he was the most captain player this round and with good reason going up against the Tigers and goal kicking. He only ended up with 44 points this game. Eight points of that was in goals, so 41 of his points he had to get in tackles. He only had three points in runs, no offloads, no tackle breaks. Very, very bad Cameron Smith performance for round two. Yeah, I think that's because the Tigers genuinely play sort of wide. They move across the park. Smith gets a lot of his points from um, tackles, like hard hard games up the middle then, you know, when the forwards are tired, just putting one or two players through and kicking goals. I chucked up a stat to a few people last week. Smith's actually lowest career averages versus the Tigers, and the only average is sort of 64 against them. I chucked that stat up to a few of the lads, and one of them sort of laughed at it and said, oh, have you got any stats for when when he's playing in Billy Slater's throughout of the match? I had a bit of a chuckle at that because it was it's so true. Like Smith generally sort of steps up against with sort of player milestones, but um, you got to respect the stats too. So I um I steer clear of the captain in him that game, but um yeah, for probably yeah, thirty three percent of coaches are a bit unhappy about that one. Oh yeah, you would feel like you captain someone like Sergius that round. <laughs> <laughs> the other one was one of your old flames. Cameron Munster, he threw he's up. Still a flame, right? He's still a flame. Jeez, he's. I don't know if he if he throws up a few more twenty five point games. I think the romance might be over. But twenty five points in round two. Downgraded twice, man. He was on forty at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's what he's finished on. Twenty five points is in the record books. So, and I mean to do that too. He had six points in a forced dropout and six points in tackle breaks. So. I mean, half his points were in his forced dropout and tackle breaks, which is pretty bad. His involvement was poor, and he had um, minus 11 points in negative stats as well. So we spoke about this round one that I wasn't prepared to concede that Munster was a great option because he was playing in fullback for that big round one score. Wanted to see him have some 5-8 games in round two. His 5-8 games for 2018 haven't started off well, mate. Yeah, it's a very low one, even by his standards. I was uh, going to captain him, actually, but decided against it at the last minute and thought I'd sort of stick with SJ. So I'm glad that weather cleared over there because otherwise I would have had a full 50 points from him. <laughs> Jeez, that would have stung. 25 points from Cam Munster. Big time. Oh, another guy I'll quickly mention that doesn't get spoken about very much. Will Chambers only had 23 points. He's pretty much had a, um, a Tim Laffey-like start, averaging 26.5 points across the first two games, 23 points this game. With uh, next to no involvement, I mean, he had 10 tackles. Granted, he had 18 points in runs, which is fine. That's his only scoring stats all game. His 
runs and his tackles, and then he's got his five in negative to give him his 23 points. He did very similar round one. He didn't look very good, and I'm I'm thinking that anyone that sort of was thinking about him, and I know that me and you spoke a little bit about him, kind of dodged a bullet watching this round two match. Yeah, he hasn't got much of a work rate at the moment, does he? But nor does the bloke on the other side either. There's been a lot of games like this, actually, that where, where it's been pretty low scoring across the park and it's not just the FC scorers um, pushing guys scores down there's actually been a really low work rate for, for a lot from um, a lot of um, edges I don't know what to make of it mate whether he's going to bounce back or whether this is going to be a trend for a while but he's def- definitely of a concern mate yeah I don't know what to make of it because in the past he's, um, his base has been quite good and that's been one of the arguments with um, like people like Catfish have liked him in the past where I haven't and the arguments have been well He's got a really good base because he gets through good work. So, you know, he's going to give you 40s if he has a bad game. And yeah, Apparently this year... His work rate is about half what it was last year for the first two games of the season. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. I'm just glad I don't have him. I think you're right with uh, centre wings at the moment. 20s are the new 40s for the work rates because you, you and Aitken's doing the same thing except he's scoring tries. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how long that, that wave lasts though. <laughs> The last one I'll mention, because I'm not going to talk about guys like Josh Adokar on 16 points, because we kind of expect that stuff. Jesse Bromwich, we know, is a bum as well. 45 points. Should have taken our advice preseason on him. Brody Croft, he's one to talk about, because I noticed um, a couple of previously fairly high-ranked friends of ours actually had Brody Croft and were trading him out. 28 points this game, and like we spoke about preseason, you could tell this game, and even really just the start of this season, that... Brody's going to take some lumps along the way while he's learning to be a full-time halfback at NRL level. Yeah, it's um, interesting, isn't it, how the mighty fall. Mate, he wasn't a bad purchase to start the season in hindsight. The guy showed a lot of form. I know plenty of people who took a punt on him and, and Nicarima. It just sort of hasn't come off. I think he'll bounce back, but his form has been, SC-wise, has been that, that far down. You've probably got a, you've probably got a couple of right now. You, you can't really hold on to him too long. Oh, for sure. And I, this was one of the ones that we disagreed about in the preseason. I really didn't like him at all. Um, I thought he was a bad buy, only because of the amount of time it normally takes halfbacks to come good and the fact that um, Munster was a, not a terribly experienced 5'8". I don't like his outlook in the immediate future. He's going to have some good games, but round two showed us again that he's got, going to have some low scores as well. So um, let's move on to the giant killers, the Tigers. Why don't we start off with welcoming a gun back to NRL Supercoach 2018, David Nofaluma. First game of the year, 66 points, and he did it in a typical Nofo fashion. 20 points in tackle breaks, 16 in offloads. My great loved combination, 36 points between TBs and offloads, and had 32 points in runs for good measure. He is an absolute beast when he gets to play yeah, how good was it, hey? I think I said in the preseason podcast, I couldn't have him not at his price, not without Teddy, not with the run that they've got. But first game back against Melbourne, 20 points alone in, in tackle bus and 16 offloads. <laughs> There's 36 points in just pushing bucks off here and chucking, chucking a ball behind you. He just does it so easy, doesn't he? You can drop him for defensive reasons all you like, but you know when he's going to come back that he's just going to have that great run TV and offload combination for a winger that just makes him a super coach gun. Mate, could you imagine this bloke going to a team that could actually get him a ball? Imagine he scores with you know an average of one try every two games. I tell you what, mate, the Roosters will take him. <laughs> Put him on the end of our back line. We'll, we'll make some room for him. It's fine. Tupo's injured for three months anyway. West Tigers also had another great performance from Ursan Masters. 65 points. 
He's a guy that um, ended up goal-kicking as well. So he did have 12 points of that in goals because Tui Lolahia was um, ruled out of this one. But the thing was in round one, we really liked his um, tackle breaks and offloads. And in this one as well, he only had one tackle break, but he had five offloads, which I think he had five or six offloads in. Yeah, he did. He had six offloads in round one as well. So this guy is averaging 12, uh, sorry, six offloads per game for the season after the first two rounds, which is fantastic. He's also averaging seven points in tackle breaks after this round as well. And he's doing it with pretty limited attacking stats with no tries scored yet. So averaging 68.5 points after round two. Masters has become pretty impressive, Billy. Yeah, he's in my team. (laughs) You sneaky bugger. When did you draft him in? Is it pre, you've put him in pre-round two and you got this score out of him? No, I didn't. It was my first trade of the season this morning was him. Ah, okay. So I haven't got any scores yet. <laughs> Pumped Jared Hayne out for him. Oh, you kept that one quiet. That's why. Wow. I think we spoke about this preseason. This was one of our other disagreements where I didn't like Hayne at all. Hayne is the only one that I can get rid of. Everything else has worked out so far. Who would have thought preseason that round two would be talking about Ursan Masters and you'd be saying... I just traded Jared Hayne to him. And I paid money to do it because he was $60,000 more than Jared Hayne. <laughs> yeah, i got to cut someone off to do it. just don't know who I'm going to do yet. I've been tinkering around with uh, Cardi and a couple of uh, others, but there's not really too much to Cardi's still going to make money, but I think this Masters bloke has, has kind of scored that you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, and you know it's a pretty astute trade-in because he hasn't scored a try yet, and he has had some limited attack, but clutch attack, but not, not too much. The one line break assist in this game helped him out. But other than that, you know, especially if he keeps kicking goals, that'll be really interesting. So aside from him, you know, there was some nice performances. Luke Brooks scored the match-winning try, so I'll give him a shout-out for his 62 points, but don't really want to talk about him. But we will talk a little bit about Corey Thompson. He threw in 54 points and was definitely a winner for round two as well from the Tigers. After a 91 in the first round, he's 54 this game. Came with less attacking stats, so he didn't have the tries. He did have a line break assist, but no line breaks. And interestingly enough, his work rate seems quite good. He had 25 points in runs this this game, and he also threw in two off, uh, sorry, three offloads this game. And he's quietly racking up the tackle breaks with 10 this game after putting in 14 in round one. So. Quietly, he's got a pretty good work rate at running and getting some TBs, Billy. It was quite a pretty good performance from Thompson. Yeah, he was he was the first trading that I did, but then I kept going backwards and forwards between him and Masters. The thing I'm concerned about is his job stability back there. But um, mate, with his, his his tackle busting and his offloads, offloads, and the fact that he's available but one, so where, where he gets gets a lot more ball for those for that, those kick returns. He's definitely got some value there, and he's an absolute winner. Job security is only sort of um, questioned, but the way he's going and the fact that Masters is kicking at the moment, there's, there's no need for Lola here. So, bloody good option, I think. Yeah, he's looking like at 320k. I, I can't really do it myself. But, yeah, he did look good this round. He was a big winner. I mean, he's put himself on a lot of people's radars after that performance. We did miss out one loser before we move on. And, you know, maybe subconsciously I left him out because this is one of my trade-ins for this week. For round two, I should say, not this week. So for round two, I traded in Robbie Rocco. Didn't like the trade-in. Didn't like him for round one and stayed off him. Kind of half got talked into it after his 61 points. And he's thrown up 27 points. 
that's really, really disappointing. And I wish that I waited a week, but I just didn't think I could afford to with the limited trades this week to make. Yeah, I see why you did it in hindsight. It wasn't the brightest move doing it against the Storm, was it? <laughs> well, I didn't play him. So, I mean, the reason why I did it against the Storm was just because I wasn't going to play him. And I had two other trades at least to make this week. So, had to do it. But, mate, he didn't look very good to me. It's not going to be a bad trade. He's just going to take longer to build up now because that 27 is going to be rolling for a bit. But, look, he'll still make your coin. He's still going to play those sort of 60, 70, 80 minutes on, on, on the edge until McQueen maybe comes back. So, but look, for now, good round one score, bad bad round two score. Sky's the limit, maybe, but, yeah, he's a watch and we'll see how he matures, mate. Yeah, well, I feel like a massive loser because I've only had him for his loser round in round two with that crappy score. So, let's talk about your favourite game of the round. So, the final game of round two saw the Manly Seagulls absolutely destroy your Parramatta Eels, Billy. And I had to cop it from Perso about the Tigers going over the top of the Roosters last week. So I think you're going to have to cop a bit of humble pie here. 54-0, the Seagulls went over the Eels. And, mate, I've got to say, the Eagles were scintillating and the Eels looked disinterested and awful. All I can say is I'm glad Perso is busy finishing his shopping centre, mate. He hasn't got my number. <laughs> oh, you, you'll probably get a call. Yeah, he's not the type of bloke to rub it in anyway, mate. You- he quietly gets excited when the when the when the uh, Tigers uh, do well. But no, the Eels, mate, they were pretty bloody ordinary. I read somewhere that they had a pretty long warm up out in the field and that, that heat beforehand. But no excuses, mate. They just looked a little bit sort of heartless. Time after time after time, it was what twenty four nil after sort of ten minutes or something or other. I'm not sure what they were doing behind behind the post, but hands on hips and heads down, mate. It's like the game was over within sort of ten minutes and there wasn't really much of a fight back. Oh, for sure. And I, I think I mentioned with the, the first games that we were talking about in round two that there was a lot of penalties in that Sharks game with errors. The ref's whistle seemed like it was going almost every time Manly had the ball. And I couldn't fault it for the penalties because they kind of, yeah, they very much deserved it, mate. They were um, offside all the time and just silly penalties and errors. It was it was pretty bad all around. Yeah, I don't know that many pet hates, but one of my pet hates with footy this argument that a lot of coaches and some players have about penalty counts not being even and, and refs sort of being biased towards one team. Man, I couldn't give it a crap if, if one team offends you know, sort of 30 times. I don't care if the penalty count is 30 nil. If one team is breaching, you penalise them. You don't even it up. If, if the yields are sloppy and offside and not, not doing a job, then 10 nil, bad luck. Oh, I agree. You have to just, it's like a game of footy, right? You have to play what's in front of you. Referees got to referee what's in front of them. And tell you what, no one wanted to see what was in front of them in this Eels game because they were bad. But let's start off talking about the team that had the 54 points because that's a bit more exciting. Maybe for you. I don't own any of them. Well, you know, I was saying this to Catfish earlier that um, I only own Lachlan Croker. So when he went across for the try, I was really happy. But all these other guys, so we had a few winners, but the big, big winners were Coruscant, DCE, Marty Tapao, Jake Trevojevic, Tom Trevojevic, all players I looked at and had in my team at some point in the preseason, and I owned none of them for this game. And I was watching it going, you idiots, all five of these guys should have been in your team, and none of them are. It was really, really hard to watch. but Or law of averages, mate. Don't stress it. It'll come back down. Oh, yeah. Well, these are the games that you really want to be a part of. I'm going to start off with Daly Cherry Evans, though, because I said in round one that I expected him to really take control of attack and um, be involved, and he just wasn't really doing it. This game, he really did what I thought he was going to do in round two. So scored a try, had a try assist, 
36 points in goals, which is massive. Along with that, had 12 tackle breaks with an effective offload, one line break, 16 points in line break assists. He actually had points in almost every category. Uh, it was a vintage performance. 133 points is now the new high for the season. He looked fantastic, Billy. Yeah, the Eels looked pretty woeful too. Let's not take it away from him. The, the guy did well. 133 points is an absolutely dominant display. I didn't think he had it in him. Wasn't interested in him at all preseason. Maybe that was just me being bitter and twisted from owning him in the past. But um, yeah, look, if you jumped on him, you've got to be absolutely happy with that. And there's a fair few people that have to avoid. Sorry, both um, Jake T and Tom T. I think preseason we talked about Jake saying, look, his price is his average. He's not, he's not going to actually do any more than that unless he goes over the line. Then. You certainly did that. Yeah, well, let's talk about Big Jakey because I, I had him on my loser list last week because paying 650k plus for a guy to give you 59 points is pretty bad. And this week, I think you must have listened to the podcast because 115 points. And, you know, he did get a try with a line break, also got a try assist, but take all that out and he actually scored pretty well still. He had 34 points in runs, which was fantastic. And a couple of offloads. And you know what? We were talking about his offload being tucked away at times, and it was round one. He didn't just get these two offloads. He was actually looking at other times to offload as well. And I don't know how much to make of that with this game, watching Jake Trevojevic, because the Eels pack, I'm sorry to say, was just really soft and falling off tackles. And I don't know if it was one of those things where when you're playing a pack like that, you get a lot of confidence and you want to run the ball and you want to try and offload and you want to do all that. I don't know whether it was that or whether he's just rounding back into form and he just had a bad first week, but he looked fantastic. Oh, mate, I think he was just watching Tapao do it with ease every single time he ran the ball and thought, I want a piece of that. <laughs> well, Tapao had um, 62, so... Oh, he, he was just a machine. Every 30 seconds, Marty offload, Marty offload, Marty offload. The, the guy... I think his PPM was almost double the amount of time he was on the, on the on the field. Well, that's the thing too. Like when you look at his numbers, they're not that great. You know, like four offloads, 27 points in runs is decent, but he wasn't on for very long. You know, he had limited minutes again and he still busted out 62. Uh, but no, he, he, I mean, they were way in the front after his first in. He got rested, but not even sure if he came back on the field until right at the end of the game, if anything. That's right, he didn't. It was, it was pretty close to the end, so... I mean, those two guys in the pack just really dominated. Tommy Trevojevic, though, he is another winner with 95 points, and there's a lot of obviously high-scoring guys in this game, but he only had 24 points, I think, from memory at halftime, and it was looking like it was going to be a really poor performance from him. And even my saving grace for not having Sea Eagles was that they were scoring so many soft tries up the middle with you guys, like, um, you know, Lloyd Parrott and Siren and, and these sort of guys going over, I was like, look, this is okay. Our saving grace is not only Tommy Turbo, if they keep scoring these soft tries around the middle and it's forwards, Trevojevic won't be involved and it'll be fine. And then, of course, what happens that last sort of third of the game, Tommy Turbo starts hitting the attack and he ends up with you know 12 points for his TS, two line breaks for 20 points, two line break assists for 24 points, he just started carving up all of a sudden. It was pretty hard to watch. Yeah, it was just right. Oh, mate, I remember watching. I remember watching it at halftime, thinking, "Oh, this is, this is awesome." But then you put the, put the numbers together, and it's not really that bad. The, the guy was pretty much quiet, did nothing um, for the entire first half, and he was still sitting on twenty five points. So, 
it is double that. The guy's going to score 50 in his sleep doing absolutely nothing. And all, all he needs is, is that one line break or try, try assist, which is pretty much inevitable come towards the end of any game when the forwards are tired, mate. So He's just got so much running through him as well. I think that they're really using him a lot. And I just can't see him not hitting those there's try assists and line break assists almost every game, you know. I, didn't, I saw him um, standing next to a few other players. I, I didn't realise how, how bloody tall he was. The, guy, the guy's a six machine or something. Yeah, he's pretty big. Yeah, he's outstanding. Jeez, you, you wish you had four fullbacks when I was watching this round two. I was sitting there going, wow, remember the days when Tommy Turbo could be in your centre wing? And such a great game for Tommy Turbo owners. And his brother as well, as well as DC owners, got rewarded big time. Other owners have got rewarded big time, Billy. I talked up Coruscant in the preseason, and um, as a, a second hooker option, and then I realised it was 515k and, and went off it. 87 points this game, played the full 80, and he's averaging 83 points across the first two rounds. He did score a try. Uh, they were quite soft. He had a TS as well for his try assist, along with his line break and line break assist. But he had 10 points in tackle breaks as well. Had a forced dropout. He's just a bit of a all over the place machine as far as the stats go. He does a bit of everything and he just looks really good. Yeah, I, I kind of like my hookers to be sort of scoring 55, 60 points, doing not much though. He's he's scoring 87, doing absolutely everything, and he's getting spelled a bit bit too. So only playing sort of 63 minutes in that game is a bit of a concern for me. But if he's chucking those numbers up, you wouldn't be. Um, laughing in his face as an owner, would you? No, you'd be very happy. And I've got my stats wrong. I actually I said I, I thought he played 80 minutes, but that's not the case. So he's a big winner. With the Manly side, I don't think there's too many losers that we can really talk about. Lachlan Croker was a bit of a cheapy winner, scoring a try and going pretty well for his uh, owners to make a lot of cash. I don't even think that we can have any losers from this team. It was too much of a dominant performance. So why don't we chat about your eels? Where opposite of Manly, I don't, I don't really think that there was any winners, Billy. Uh, not really. I'm just glad Brownie didn't score too badly. His minutes were up, which was good, but I think there were that many. Um, they were they spent that much time behind the goalpost. I'm, I'm glad he actually just got to 55, which was sort of half respectable. Yeah, it was. I know a few people threw the captain on him with the same thought as I did for um, for doing it with Burgess that they had a bad round one score and they just wanted to. A solid 65-70 type. Brown was the best in your team for Supercoach and he only scored 55. So that shows how bad it was. So looking at the losers, Billy, the first guy that we'll talk about is Mitchell Moses. Six points. And we spoke about this in round one that, you know, he only scored 35, but he got sent to the sin bin for 10 minutes and had a couple of penalties and the game was over when he came back. This game here, he got sent to the sin bin again two weeks in a row, which is an absolute killer for his owners. And then did like nothing. He had 14 points in tackles, one TB, six points in runs, and a whole heap of negatives from that Simbin and silly errors. He's not looking very good that game at all when I was watching. Mate, I can't even see him on my stat sheet. It cuts off at 10 points, so he must be below that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, six points is the worst of the game. And I tell you what, if Valentine Holmes was um, our bum of the week, Mitchell Moses is very lucky that he didn't cop that award. Jesus, six is pretty ordinary by any, by anyone's standards. Yeah, no, that's shit, that's mate. It's um, very bad. And another guy that was bad and disappointing for the second week in a row and still did not look very good, but was a hell of a lot better than six points, was 29 points from Jared Hayne. You're not the only Eels fan. I know that's traded out Jared Hayne already, Billy, but 
29 points actually could have been a lot worse. You know, he had he had some work rate at least other aside from um, what Mitchell Moses did for six points, but. Yeah, he had a try disallowed, which would have been a line break in there too. So it would have been 56 points, or well, sort of 60 points overall. But um, you can't didn't go over, mate. So you can't count it, and he just doesn't seem to have as much involvement. So I can't hang on to him. Yeah, that's fair enough. And to be honest, look, watching this game, he um, he again, he just didn't look that interested. He didn't look like he had a great attitude, and he looked like he was happy just to go through the motions. And really, wasn't a leader. And you know, I remember watching. Jared at the Eels before he left the first time and he was always a leader he was always quite vocal and stuff and trying to even take the odd hit up and stuff to fire the team up and get him going there was none of that stuff he looked like he was just content just to lose and just go home just did not look good at all other guy that didn't look good at all really was Kane Evans he got a starting job for this game and one of the things that they fell down in I thought Billy was their their forward pack was pretty woeful and got dominated. They were falling off tackles. There was no good first up impact, which is really, really bad for Fords. Yeah, and Evans pretty much dropped every second ball he had too. You can see how impressed the coach was because um, he's already revoked his starting permissions for this week. He's back to the bench already after one week, so that was pretty much short-lived. Terrible. Someone else who was terrible was Josh Hoffman. He was Casper the Ghost this game. Couldn't see him anywhere. Ten points, very similar to Mitchell Moses. Except he didn't get his 10 points from making a heap of errors like Moses. I didn't even notice Hoffman was playing this game. He did basically nothing. And that's a big fall-off from his big round one score, wasn't it, Billy? He's just gone off the radar completely. Pretty much every single one of the yields may as well have been in the sin bin, mate, because there was just gaps in every single, all over the field. <laughs> they just kept going through. Yep. And Tepai Maroa got his customary um, injury, which he always does within two games as well. But I'm well prepared just to give the whole eel side now the, the loser status for this one and just say we move on. So I won't put you through much more misery, mate. I know it was pretty hard to finish up on the Eels go. But that's our review for round two. A few real big games, though, and those big super coach scores are nice to see. I hope you have a better one in round three, Billy. Couldn't be any worse, mate. Well, you could have had my score in round two and it would have been a lot worse, so don't worry too much. <laughs> As long as I'm beating you, mate. Well, you are at the moment, so good luck. Cheers for coming on again, Billy, and for everyone else. Thanks for listening uh, to the review. We've got our Market Watch and also TLT pod up as well with me and Catfish going through everything. You can download us on iTunes or you can also follow us, NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast on SoundCloud and download there. You can also follow us on Twitter, NRL Supercoach All-Stars. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. 